Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. If you'll join me in the book of James, I want to just get one instruction here from James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 8 is where I want to begin tonight. And I want to strengthen our faith tonight in the blood of God's Lamb. We've been singing about the blood tonight. We've been singing about the redemption on the cross and what a difference He's made in our life. And we're going to let the light shine in our hearts to strengthen us in how we believe concerning what His blood has done for us. James chapter 4, verse 8. I just want the first part of this verse. It says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Don't you love that? That's a promise. It's an instruction, first of all, draw near to God. And then it tells you this in a promise. If you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. Hallelujah. And I I like to say it this way. You may take one step, and and your step, maybe it's what? if If you took a step in the natural, it's what, four feet? Maybe if you're really long leg, you might get get a little bit longer. You might get a really long step if you're, you know, mother may I, you know, one of those big steps. You may make a step and it's, it's a certain distance, but when God makes his step, whoo, <laughs> you, you take one step to God and he takes one of his God-sized steps towards you. Amen. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. How do we do that? How do we draw near to God? Well, the key for our drawing near to God is spiritual. It's, it's the spiritual understanding of how to take that step and the spiritual confidence that comes from the Word of God that shows and reveals to us the, the path that He's made for us. We were singing, You are the only truth in the way. There is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. Why is that? Why is Jesus the only way to God? It's not just a, 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 a restriction that he's the only way and none of the others uh, are acceptable because he's the favorite. The, the key is in he was the only one qualified to provide redemption. There's no other way to be cleansed of our sin and made new creatures in Christ except through the blood that Jesus shed. There's no other way to get born again. There's no other way to get our sins forgiven. There's no other way to have those sins remitted, taken away off of, to have them blotted off our record. Only through Jesus is the price Paid because Jesus was the only one who had enough spiritual currency to pay our debt. And the spiritual currency was in the form of his shed blood, him laying down his life. And so this is the key for us to understand. Ephesians 2, let's get some scriptural structure so that we, we have the light on our path to walk as we come closer to God. Ephesians 2 and verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes, you who sometimes were far off, you're made near by the blood of Christ. So our scripture in James 4 says, Draw near to God. How can I draw near to him? This scripture tells us it's by the blood of Christ. It's faith in the blood. It's accepting by faith that what his blood did, he did for me. And everything about his redemption changes me. Amen. Amen? So how do I draw near to God? By the blood. By faith in the blood. 
by, by putting my confidence in what his blood accomplished. It says we are made near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is still the way. So what do we do with this blood so that we can draw near to God? Well, we wash in this blood. We're, we're, we're washed by the blood when we come to him, when we accept him as Lord. If we sin, we go back and we wash again. <laughs> we go back and we say, forgive me of, of what I've done. I've missed it. I repent to you, Lord. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. How does he cleanse us? He cleanses us with the blood. He cleanses us with his word. So we're to wash in the blood. Number two, we're to reverence the work that the blood accomplishes in us. You know, the blood is not coagulated, dried, dead blood. If your blood was to spill out of your, your finger or your hand, if you were to cut yourself and you spilled some on this pulpit or, or on the seat where you're sitting or on your pants leg, it's going to dry. In a matter of minutes, that blood's going to dry. There's no more life in that blood. But Jesus' blood is eternal. It's the blood of God. And when it poured out of his veins, it didn't coagulate. It didn't dry up. The life didn't leave his blood. That blood is now on the mercy seat in heaven. And it's speaking for us. It's speaking better things than the blood of Abel is speaking. The blood of Abel called out for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus is calling out for mercy. Amen. Hallelujah. So the blood is still alive, and when we interact with the blood, that blood works in us. You know, right now, your blood is working in your body right now. Whatever you ate uh, earlier today, it's going through your bloodstream right now. Right? Your, 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 your stomach has digested it. And what happened? It sent all that nutrition. We hope it was nutritious, right? It, we said all that sugar. No, all that, all those healthy green beans you ate, right? Salad. It sent that nutrition out to your bloodstream. And your blood is working to bring the oxygen to your cells, the nutrition to your cells, to help keep all of the things cleansed out of your body. It's, it's taking the toxins out and releasing it through, through your systems. And so our blood is constantly at work, and the blood of Jesus is constantly at work in his body. So we reverence the work that the blood accomplishes in us, that honor, honor for the work that the blood is doing. And then number three, we have faith in what it took to shed that blood. We have faith in what it took to shed that blood, what it accomplished for us. I want to look at Hebrews. I believe I want chapter 7, but let me get there before you, and I'll, I'll go in that direction. I'm going to go ahead to 10, 19. Hebrews 10. So we're talking about drawing near to God. How do we draw near to God? We're, we're made near to God by the blood. And it says here in 10, 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Whoa, 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 the holiest. No, no, no. You got to have something wrapped around your ankle under the Old Testament so that if you die because you have hidden something in your heart, and you get in the presence of God and that holiness of God. Uh, no, wait, wait. Into the you want me to be bold going in? You know, can you imagine? Even in the Old Testament, they they had to search their heart. Amen. I mean, they had to go into their knowing. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm not hiding anything. I am not putting on a false front. Uh, what you see is who I am, Lord. And they had to go in, but they still went in knowing the, the brevity of going into the presence of God with something in their heart that was wrong. I, I mean, even blemishes. They couldn't go enter in the presence of God with blemishes. I know. If you, haven't, if you have acne, you go, watch out, you know, right? 
no blemishes, no marks. And so they had to go in, and he tells us we can come in boldly. And that boldness is not an audacity. It's not rude. It's honorable, but it's confident. It, it is so confident that I'm not going in to be zapped or rejected. When I enter into his presence, I'm accepted. I'm entering in as his child. I'm entering in, he's my father, and he's washed me in the blood. So it says, we have boldness to enter into the holiest. How do we have the boldness? Where does the confidence come from? Does it come from how good I've been? No. Does it come from how perfect I am? How, how much I've read my Bible? And, and reading my Bible's good, but it's not going to give me the boldness that I need. Amen? I mean, when I say that, me marking time in the Scripture and saying, I have read 27 verses this morning. Or I've read 15 chapters this week, so I'm going to go in boldly because, hey, God, 15 chapters, hey! <laughs> right? No, that's not, that's not where my boldness comes from. I'm going in because I'm washed. I'm going in because Jesus' blood, the blood of God's very own lamb, has washed me. And there's nothing that can make me as acceptable as the blood has made me. Nothing I can do that's going to make me as acceptable as the blood has already made me. So I can come in boldly, and this boldness comes by the blood. And a lot of times people aren't praying and going to God for help because they don't have this boldness. They love God, and God loves them. They're saved. They own a, own a Bible, probably have a few translations on their devices but they don't have boldness because they haven't built faith in what the blood has done for them. And so they deal with it on their own and they carry the weight of their cares on their own shoulders. And they're going into church and coming out of churches all across America and not entering into the holiest with boldness because they don't have faith in what the blood has done for them. And they think, well, I need God to help me, but I don't know how to get him to help me. I, I, need, I need this from God, but I don't know how to approach him for it. But the boldness comes by the blood, by faith in the blood. So it says we have boldness. So, so if we have this boldness, what's going to be the evidence that we have it? We're going to be entering in. Here's, here's the evidence that we have this confidence, that we have faith in the blood. You'll find me in his presence. if I, I, I'm going to enter in boldly to get my help. I, I'm coming for the grace that you have, Lord. I'm coming before the throne of grace to receive the help I need. Amen? If, if I have the boldness, the evidence of it is in my approach to God. If I'm not drawing near to him, you know what I need to work on is my faith in the blood. Because when I have faith in the blood, nothing's going to stop me from going to him. Nothing's going to hold me back from entering in. Amen? So that's what we want to check. Check our evidence. Am I coming to him? Am I coming with confidence into his presence? And if not, then let me go back and strengthen my faith in his shed blood. It says, we have a boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. This way did not exist before the cross. Do you remember a, a, a very um, significant occurrence took place when Jesus gave up the ghost? When Jesus released his spirit on the cross and died on the cross, it says there was a veil in the temple in Jerusalem it was so thick, it was like four men's hands thick. So we're going to say maybe about this thick. And it ripped from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top, not from man's side to God, but from God's side to man. God ripped the, the, the hindrance, the separation, and said, there's no longer a separation stopping you. Why? Because the price has been paid. The debt has been paid, and there's nothing holding you back. It is a new way, and it's a living way. 
this new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. The whole purpose of our salvation is to have a relationship with the Father. If we neglect the relationship with the Father, we've missed the greatest objective of our salvation. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to draw near. He wants to have intimate communion with us. He wants us to to depend on Him and rely on Him and talk to Him and receive from Him and find out His plan for our lives. He wants to to share victories with us and He wants to tell us about things He's got ahead of us on the path. He's prepared great things for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you with an end and an expectation. I've got great things in store for you, but we're never going to find them out without his his revealing it to us. And we're never going to have that opportunity if we're not in conversation with him. And so he says, draw near to me. I want you to come near to me. So since we have this new and living way... (laughs) Since we have this this living path through the life of Jesus, through his shed blood, we can come boldly, and so let's draw near. Amen? Let's draw near. The word in verse 19 for enter, it says that we have boldness to enter. It is not a random word. It's a significant word because it is specifically the word used to describe when a priest enters the presence of God. It describes the way a priest would approach God. He said, since we have boldness, let's enter. And I want to give you some some scriptural revelation for this or, or evidence for this. Revelation 1 and verse 5 and 6. It says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests. So notice the connection. They're connected. He washed us with his blood and we're washed from sin. We're we're cleansed of it. And because of that, We're kings and priests. We're qualified to serve God. I mean, have you read the qualifications in the Old Testament? I mean, the Levitical priests, they had certain qualifications, but they had limitations. And then there was a higher order of priests. They had some who just worked the outer court and some who went on deeper into the inner court, and then there was the high priest, and he had, he had more entrance, but he had more demands placed on him too, right? And, and not everybody could do it. Y'all remember Uzzah? Uzzah, didn't, he wasn't qualified. He reached out his hand. He should not have been reaching out his hand and touching the ark, right? He wasn't qualified. So under the old covenant, they understood there are qualifications, there are purifications, there are sanctifications necessary for me to even work in the outer court, for me to put the tent up, and much less carry the Ark of the Covenant, just for me to put the tent up, just for me to accept the animals at the front gate. There are certain qualifications. How much more? But then it says we're sanctified through the blood. He's washed us. And made us priests. He's washed us and made us priests. You are qualified to serve God. Hallelujah. You are accepted into the priesthood. And then again we also see this in Revelation 7. Revelation 7 in verse 14. Fourteen and fifteen. And I said unto him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. 
So the washing of the blood prepares us for the service to God. Hallelujah. They, but they are before the throne and serve him day and night. What a privilege. What a privilege. So I want to take a, a step back and do a case study of this blood that Jesus shed and not just the blood that Jesus shed, but let's find out how God prepared mankind for faith in the blood. And I like to refer to it this way. He taught us the lesson of substitution because every time they brought an Old Testament animal for the sacrifice, they understood this animal is giving its life for me. We look at Jesus and we see that, but they practiced that for years before Jesus ever came on, onto the earth. They, they were practicing this animal is taking my place. The blood of this animal, it hit, this animal is dying so that I can have a covering. But we understand something different. Let's start in John 1 for this case study. John chapter 1, and I want to see the words of John the Baptist in verse 29. Because he said something that um, shook the way they thought. He was declaring and proclaiming this under the anointing as a man anointed by God to make this declaration, to make this proclamation. It says... The next day, John sees Jesus coming to him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. He identified Jesus as the Lamb of God. Now, they had practiced the Passover ever since Exodus chapter 12. And so they understood that the lamb in the Passover lamb would the blood of that lamb would be put on the doorposts of their homes and provide a protection from the destroyer, that the meat of that lamb would provide them supernatural strength to make their exodus into the freedom that God had for them. And they continued to practice the Passover from the time that it was instituted in Exodus chapter 12 up until we see Jesus himself even having the Passover and telling his disciples, I look forward to the opportunity that we will have this Passover together in glory. So we're going to continue to be celebrating this Passover evidently, right? Well, When John said this, they were only acquainted with a lamb that could cover their sin. They'd never encountered a lamb who could take away their sin. So when he made this statement, look, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. It was something that they understood the concept, they had a grasp on the lesson of substitution, but they had never seen a lamb's blood that could take their sin away. And so they, God had to have someone anointed by him with the, with the Holy Spirit to proclaim it, to identify Jesus as the lamb of God. So... From the beginning, the way people approached God was by the blood. After the fall, we see that God, we see a reference to the shedding of blood in the fact that God had to uh, clothe Adam and Eve with animal skins. So there were animals that gave their life, that sacrificed their life to cover Adam and Eve. That's the first reference. From that point, we see a blood sacrifice in Cain and Abel, that Abel brought the acceptable sacrifice, which was the firstlings of his flock. It was the blood. And evidently, 
This is how God had instructed him because we know Abel by faith offered a more excellent sacrifice, Hebrews 11:4. So go back with me to Genesis chapter four and let's read specifically because it's a case study and so I don't wanna just touch it and then it not be in your notes when you go back to look for it. Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Well, it wasn't favoritism for the the fact that he liked Abel better than he liked Cain. It was, this was what was the acceptable offering. When Cain brought, it says, unto Cain and to his offering, God did not have respect. Why didn't God have respect? Well, what did he bring? Verse 3 says, he brought of the fruit of the ground. Well, God had cursed the ground at this point. The, The ground was under the curse because of Adam's sin. And so he's bringing him, he's bringing him what he's raised. Now, okay, so you say, well, hey, Maybe he was a farmer and his brother was a rancher. That's not fair. He didn't have it. He could have taken of his and, and went and, and traded with his brother or purchased from his brother or raised his own so that he would have an offering to the Lord. God didn't make it impossible because when God comes to him to converse with him, he says, why are you angry? If you would do the right thing, you would be accepted too. I'm not, I'm not refusing to accept your offering for any other reason than this is not the right offering. If you would do the right thing, I would accept your offering too. So it was the wrong offering. Why? Because his works couldn't cover his sin. Only the blood. God was trying to cover his sin so that he could continue to have relationship with him. And the works of his hands could not cover his sin. He needed the innocence of the blood. And so God said, if you would do well, you would be accepted too. Abel did well and he did it by faith. And we know that Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So he had heard and acted on God's instruction of how to approach him. Hallelujah. And that's what we understand too. For us to draw near to God, for us to draw near, we draw near by the blood. We don't draw near in our own works and our own worth. Our worth is in him. Our our cleansing comes from the blood. And the more we interact with the blood, the more that we fellowship with the blood, the more that we build our faith in the blood and worship God for his blood and esteem the blood in our lives, the greater confidence we have in his presence. Because we know it's not me. It's not my power. It's not my ability. It's the blood. It's the blood that has washed me. It's the blood that freed me. It's the blood that justified me. We are justified by the blood, just as if I'd never sinned by the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I couldn't do it, but his blood did it. Hallelujah. So we see here that God told them what was the right way to approach. And Abel brought, he approached God by the blood and his offering was accepted. Uh, Let's go to Genesis chapter 8. And I want to look at Noah because, you know, everybody um, reads the the little stories of Noah and the ark, or maybe you see the different cartoons, veggie tales or whatever with Noah and the ark. I like the Noah, I like the veggie tales one. And they say, well, he took two of each animal. But you know what? He took more than just two of of some animals. He took two of all of them, but there were some animals he took more of, the animals that were meant for sacrifice and offering. He took extra of those because he entered into that ark knowing I'm going to be coming off this ark and I'm going to be worshiping God when I come off this ark. I'm going to be sacrificing and approaching God. So... 
when you look at the flood, you understand that the flood, the reason for the flood was to preserve a righteous lineage. The reason that God prepared Noah in the ark with his family is so that there was a righteous seed upon the earth. There was so much wickedness on the earth and the enemy was trying to destroy any opportunity for the, the declaration God had made in Genesis that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, will crush the dominion, the headship, the authority that the serpent has. He was doing everything in his power to make men, mankind so uh, um, unpure, so um, wicked in their thoughts and wicked in their hearts toward God. But God found Noah and he protected Noah and the cleansing of the earth. And then after the waters receded and Noah and his family came off the ark, the very first thing, notice here, the very first thing in verse uh, chapter 8 of Genesis And verse 20, they had just come off the earth or come off the ark. Uh, God had given them the instruction to come off the ark. He speaks the blessing over them in verse 17. And then in verse 20, the very first thing Noah did, Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So the very first thing Noah did was offer to the Lord. And it was an offering that was sweet to the Lord, that the Lord received with, with pleasure. Hallelujah. When um, God interacted in his covenant with Abraham, the covenant with Abraham was the blood covenant. And we know what God started with Abraham is the covenant that Jesus finalized in his obedience to God on the cross. This covenant uh, was a blood sacrifice of his son. And God never intended for Isaac to die, but he needed Abraham to be willing. And he needed Abraham's confidence that God would raise him up. And so God said, through Isaac, All of the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so when God asked him for Isaac, he took Isaac in confidence. He wasn't crying. He wasn't sorrowful. He wasn't uh, in pain. I'm going to try to move this because I keep hearing it rattle. Uh, He wasn't wasn't anguished. Oh, this is hard. God is asking me to take Isaac and it's so hard. No, it says by faith, Abraham offered. He, it says in in the New Testament, we have an image that gives us what was in his heart. He had already decided if God has to raise him from the dead, Isaac's coming off this mountain with me. He had faith that God would raise him. And that's exactly what God was desiring to have is that covenant between he and Abraham because God fully intended not for Isaac to die, but for his own son to die. And through his own son, that redemption would be established. And God had faith that God would raise him up, just like Isaac had faith that God would raise Isaac up. And so uh, God had faith that he would raise him up from the dead. And so that sacrifice, though, was completed with with the lamb, the ram that God provided for Abraham He didn't leave that place without a sacrifice. God himself will provide a sacrifice. Isn't that what he told Isaac on the way up that side of the mountain? God will provide a sacrifice. And then when he was stopped by the angel 
after he had committed in his heart to follow through with what God had instructed, God said, behold, there's a ram in the thicket. Take that ram and sacrifice the ram. And so there was a blood shedding to initiate that covenant of faith that he had released in his heart. Hallelujah. And it continued. The blood has always been the approach to God since the fall. Since the fall. And so Abraham, Noah, we see Cain and Abel. We see Noah. We see Abraham. We see Isaac. All of the descendants of Abraham continued with that blood approach to God. And we see that eventually Abraham's descendants multiplied and became the children of Israel. And the Lord prepared to bring them out of bondage in Exodus chapter 12. They had entered into Egypt and then the government in Egypt had changed and they went from being people who were honored and favored to people who had become the slaves of the Egyptians. And uh, they cry out to the Lord and God sends a deliverer and Moses comes in to lead the children of Israel out. And on the night before they exit the, the nation of Israel, he says, I want you to take a lamb. Every man in the house, every man take a lamb for his house. So every father had to go out and find a lamb to provide for his house. And take that lamb, and he gave specific instructions. He said, I want you to eat all of it. Eat all of it. Sacrifice it. He told him how to prepare it. He told him what to do. Take the blood of that lamb, put it upon the doorpost, upon the top and the sides of the doorpost. We see that in the shape of a cross, right? Put the blood over the doorpost. And when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over. And that's why we refer to it as the Passover. When I see the blood. So the blood became a spiritual marker. Their faith to apply the blood became a spiritual marker. And that marker was a protection. That marker was a, an indicator that that house... You remember when there were uh, the hurricane down in New Orleans and they had to go in and check the houses and they would put a big... Um, X on top of the house to say we've searched this house, right? And so from an aerial view as you're flying over, you can find out they've searched that house and they've searched that house and these are all, wait, wait, there's one they haven't searched yet. Let's go down and check for anybody in that house that might need our help, right? Well, the blood became a marker <laughs> that, that could be seen in the spirit realm that these are they who are kept by the power of God, these are they in covenant. These are they who had faith. Now, they might have been good Jewish people. They might have been good Israelites. They might have really wanted God to protect them. But if they did not in, follow the instruction that God had given them and take the blood and put it over their house, even though they were of the lineage of the descendants of Abraham, they weren't automatically protected. It was the blood he was looking for. Why? Because it's the blood that gives us our approach to God. It's the blood that justifies us. It's the, it's, we're drawn nigh by the blood. Amen? So they had to place the blood in faith over their homes so that their families would be protected. Hallelujah. Now, they leave Egypt, and 50 days later, they reach Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 24, Moses, he opens the scrolls, he reads from the scrolls, and they're offering to the Lord. Exodus 24, verse 3, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and builded an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins. Now, now if you remember, because I've taught on the blood previously, 
when they were preparing to in the the first tabernacle in the wilderness and they had built the altar but it wasn't sanctified yet remember and they had to offer the offerings and they took part of the blood and they they sanctified the furniture inside of the temple and then they they took the other blood to the mercy seat so do you see again they've taken half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar and he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people and they said all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient and Moses took the blood this has not happened before this moment this is significant Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people That had never happened before. They'd offered the blood on the altar. But now Moses has sprinkled the people. Draw near to me. Right? How do we draw near to God? By the blood. The blood has touched the people. Now, this is not a coincidence. The next chapter, God speaks again. Chapter 25. And in verse 8... Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Why? Because the closer the contact with the blood, the closer God could interact with them. The blood was sprinkled on the people, and he said, I want my sanctuary right in the middle of them. I want my sanctuary. I don't want my sanctuary way far off that they have to come, come search me out from a far distance and take days to get to my presence. I want to be right there. I want them to look up and see the fire of God at night. I want them to, to, to know God is right here with us. Why? Because he's never wanted to be away from us. He's never wanted to be distanced from us. He, the, 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 what was holding him back was the sin. But because of the blood... The contact with the blood, he could have a closer intimacy with them. This was God's plan for us. Because we're blood washed, he can live in us. We're not here tonight because this is the only place we can meet God. This is where we come to fellowship, but God's with us all day. This is where we come to join together as the members of the body of Christ, as the living stones in the building of God's church. This is where we come to, to, to receive of the word uh, and, and to grow together into fellowship. But God lives with us at all times. We are the temple of his spirit. Why? Because we're washed in the blood. Without the washing of blood, he couldn't live in us. But because we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we become um, appropriate receptacles for his glory. The Bible calls us um, that, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Hallelujah. Because of the blood, God can have the interaction that he once had that he lost when Adam fell. But now he has regained it through Jesus Christ's salvation so that we can be his sanctuary. And so the, the interaction with the blood, that close contact with the blood gave them closer contact with God. And that's why I tell you, if you'll build your faith in the blood, you'll see an intimacy in your relationship with God that has always been available, but through the faith in the blood, it, you access it. It's, it's available to every believer, but because there are many who are um, lacking the knowledge of what that blood means in the way of our approach to God, our ability to draw near to him. So we see then that the activity in the tabernacle they, are, they go on out into the wilderness. God is trying to lead them into the promised land, but he has a group of people who uh, give, 
give a lot of complaining and excuses and, and some difficulties. And so God's trying to take them in. And so they're out in the, the wilderness and God sets up this tabernacle. And they, they put the tabernacle together and the center of the tabernacle, all of the activity in the tabernacle is focused around the blood. The blood of Jesus from or the blood of the animal from the gate when they brought the animal to the gate to the brazen altar that blood was poured out under the altar they would gather that blood they would carry that blood in past the the holy place into the holy of holies all of the activity of the tabernacle was centered around the blood. And if you were to see the tabernacle from an aerial view, it's in the form of a cross. It's in the shape of a cross. The, the activity of the, the blood in the tabernacle, it was the whole focus. Hallelujah. And that's why we can't take the blood out of our songs. <laughs> we can't take the blood out of our studies. We can't take the blood out of our praises. Why? Because my approach to God is only by that blood. And so I've got to have a high esteem and a value and a dependency on that blood, a reverence. Uh, At the entrance of the altar was where the, uh, at the entrance of the tabernacle was where the brazen altar was. The holy place, every piece of furniture in the holy place the altar of incense, the table of showbread, all of those different, the candle, uh, the menorah, all of it had to be sprinkled with the blood and it had to be cleansed. And, and then, of course, the holy of holies where the blood was taken once a year. The process of the lamb and its blood included the high priest of the Old Testament taking that blood into the holy of holies. And I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 9. And verse 7, because he could not enter into that place without the blood. It says in Hebrews 9, 7, but into the second, referring to the holy of holies, or the holiest of all is also how it's referred to, into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors or the sins of the people, not without blood. There is no approach to God without the blood of Jesus. There is, that's why Jesus is the only way. Because only his blood, he is the only qualifying blood. There is no other blood that qualified. Because every other, every other blood, animal blood, did not have the same value. And no other human was free from the contaminant of sin until the blood of Jesus because he was born without sin and then walked on this people planet, never sinned. Never, ever, ever sinned. He was tempted in every way and never sinned. And when he presented his blood... It was the blood of God. The book of Acts says in verse 28 that the the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, God's DNA is in the blood of Jesus. If you were to test a a baby's DNA, you're going to find who the father is. (laughs) And when Jesus' blood is, is tested, so to speak, The Father God is the Father, the DNA in the blood of Jesus. And so when Jesus shed his blood, it was God's blood. Holy blood, eternal blood. And he used that blood to purchase us, to purchase our lives. Hallelujah. So he entered in every year with the blood of the sacrifices of the people, the blood of those innocent animals to offer for himself. And that blood only covered their sin. Hallelujah. When Jesus, in John chapter 6, preaches a sermon that caused a lot of people to walk away from his ministry that day. 
But for you and I, there is a wealth of understanding. He says in John chapter 6 and verse 53, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. Hallelujah. He's, he's calling himself the Passover lamb. Why did they eat the flesh of the lamb? He said, when you eat the flesh of this lamb, eat it all. Don't leave anything that remains. And eat it with your traveling clothes on. They had to have their, their staff in their hand. They had to have their garments ready to exit. Why? Because when I eat of this Passover lamb, I am receiving the strength of the freedom of God. I am receiving the liberty of God. God is bringing me out. Amen? And so Jesus is saying, when you eat my flesh, there's freedom in me. Freedom from brokenness. There's wholeness in my broken body. Take it. Eat it. This is my flesh. This is my body that was broken for you. Eat it. I want you to eat of the brokenness that I have provided so that you can be whole. Whole in every relationship. Whole in every attitude. Whole in your life. That there's no holes missing broken places in your life. But you have a stable life. A sound life. Filled with the goodness of God. How does it come? He was broken. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment necessary to obtain our nothing missing, nothing broken with God was laid upon him and by his stripes were made healed, whole. He said, eat. Eat it. If you'll eat my flesh, it is meat indeed. It is spiritual meat. It is spiritual meat. And my blood is drink indeed. It is truly the spiritual drink necessary. Amen. Why? This is the blood in my new covenant. This is the blood that justifies you. This is the blood that washes you and cleanses you and makes you a son of God, an heir of God. It's through this blood that you come near to God. It's through this blood that you're sanctified. It's through this blood that you can serve God acceptably. Drink of my blood. Drink of my blood. And what he's saying is receive. Receive. He's not talking about. Uh, he, he's not talking about something uh, weird or gross. He's talking about the Passover, and that Passover was a recognition of that provision. And yes, the token. We call it communion. We have the 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 cup. And we're drinking juice, but we're receiving what the blood did. We're eating a cracker, but we're receiving what his body was broken to provide. Hallelujah. He's talking about spiritual drinking. Hallelujah. Drink. Because my blood is drink indeed. Hallelujah. Going back to Hebrews, and we're going to... Find our conclusion here in Hebrews chapter 9. It says in in verse 11, let's start in verse 11, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Having obtained, it is obtained, eternal redemption for us. 
How did he do it? By his blood. The high priest who entered in, not without the blood, Jesus, our high priest, he also entered into the presence of the Father. Remember, he said, after he had resurrected and, and Mary found him at the tomb, he said, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. And then when the next time we see him, he's in the room walking through a closed door, walking through the wall and instructing them, touch, put your finger in the hole in my hand, put your hand in my side. It's okay to touch me now. Why? Because I've been to the holy of holies and I've offered my blood on the altar and I have accomplished as the high priest, that necessary step to make that blood so that you have a new and living way. It says, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For at the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies them to the purifying of the flesh. How much more? shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hallelujah. The purging of the conscience isn't just something that happens the moment we get saved. There's that application to come back when I have that condemnation telling me to distance myself from God or distance myself from my brothers and sisters in Christ, to set up these barriers and, and, and separate myself. No, 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 wait. Let me wash that in the blood. Let me purge that area of my conscience that's trying to bring condemnation on me, that's trying to make me feel like I can't go to God that I can't serve him, that I can't do what he's called me to do. Let me purge that with the blood. Why? Because the, uh, the activity of the blood in our lives is never meant to be one time only in the beginning of our walk with God. It is to be a constant interaction with the blood and letting that blood work in us as we grow in our relationship with God as we strengthen our relationship with the Father, as we walk with Him every day, as we walk with each other. Praise God. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Are you grateful tonight? Let's apply the blood. By faith. How do we apply the blood? In the Old Testament, they applied the blood with hyssop, which was like a, a cottonish kind of, um, it had strands, like maybe a long paintbrush or something. And they would take that and they would apply it with that hyssop. Well, we have the words of our mouth. And we take our faith in the blood and we apply it with the words of our mouth. And, and we begin to speak that blood over those areas of our life. We begin to apply that blood over our mind, over our relationships. We apply the blood of Jesus over our family. Amen? And, and it becomes that marker. It becomes a cleansing agent. Hallelujah. So let's apply the blood in some areas. Would you like to join me? Let's release our faith. Say this with me. Father, Father. I'm so grateful for the blood. I lift my hands and I honor the blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus' blood, I'm clean. I'm purged. I am free from sin. I am justified in the sight of God because the blood has washed me. Father, as I worship you for the blood and the life that blood represents, I release my faith for this blood to cover my family, my children, my grandchildren, my marriage, my finances. 
I apply the blood, the, the protecting power of the blood, the sanctifying power of the blood. We're set apart. We're not under the curse because we're redeemed by this blood. Lord, bring the blood of Jesus to a greater place of honor in my life. Open my eyes to see how your blood works for me every day. Hallelujah. Just, just worship.